Hello, and welcome to the Luxembourg History Podcast, brought to you by RTL Today. My name's Tom Tutton, and I'm your host for our first series. Today, we're going to take a look at the impact of the First World War in Luxembourg. As we will find out, Luxembourg was actually the first country to be invaded by Germany in 1914, although things didn't exactly go to plan for the Germans. We'll learn about the young men of Luxembourgish origin who fought for the Allies to free their country and are still, to this day, commemorated by the Gellerfra in Luxembourg city. And we'll also look at what life was like for ordinary Luxembourgers under the German occupation, with tales of assassination attempts, resistance and starvation. We hope you'll enjoy the podcast. So first off, we're going to recount the farcical tale of Germany's abortive attempt to occupy Luxembourg in August 1914. It's usually forgotten, but Germany's first engagement of the Great War came not in France or Russia, but in the small town of Trois-Vierges in northern Luxembourg. Within half an hour of their arrival, though, the German troops had withdrawn back over the border after destroying a telegraph and some 150 metres of railroad. So what on earth had happened? Well, the German Empire's accidental invasion of Luxembourg came about as a result of the incredibly complex series of events that culminated in the outbreak of the First World War. After the assassination of Franz Ferdinand on June 28, 1914, the great powers spent a month working out how to respond, with the Austro-Hungarian Empire finally declaring war on Serbia on July 28. In turn, Austria-Hungary's ally Germany declared war against Russia on August 1st due to the Tsar's support for the Serbians. And this decision would have massive ramifications for Luxembourg, as the Germans implemented their Schlieffen plan to quickly knock Russia's ally France out of the war. And, as historian David Heel has recounted, Luxembourg lay directly in the path of the Schlieffen plan. On August 1st, 1914, German troops were primed to attack, but as the Kaiser attempted to secure Britain's neutrality in the upcoming conflict, the order to advance was delayed for a few hours. Unfortunately, it appears that no one had told the soldiers of the German 69th Infantry Regiment. At 7pm in the evening of August 1st, 1914, five vehicles carrying a total of 16 German troops arrived at the train station of Trois-Vierges in the very north of Luxembourg. They immediately entered the station's telegraph office and ordered the operator to destroy the telegraph before proceeding to tear up about 150 metres of railroad track. Incidentally, this was a rather counterproductive act given the centrality of railways to the Schlieffen plan, and to this day it remains unknown why they decided to damage the track. Either way, a Luxembourgish gendarme soon arrived at the scene and protested to the commanding officer that he had invaded neutral territory. The German officer apparently responded by stating, We know, we have already taken your capital, and if you say another word, you will be shot. No messing around then. And this dramatic episode suggests that the soldiers believed a full-blown invasion of Luxembourg had already taken place that day, and that their action in Trois-Vierges was part of the German occupation of the Grand Duchy. The problem was that the order to advance had been cancelled, and the 69th Infantry Regiment's embarrassing mistake was then revealed to them when a message from Germany arrived informing them of the delay. By around 8.30, the troops had returned back over the border. Germany's first action of the First World War had thus concluded with a whimper. Later that evening, Luxembourgish Prime Minister Paul Eichen sent a telegram to the German government demanding that it respect Luxembourg's neutrality, but the successful repulsion of the first invasion would not last for long. The next day, the order to advance was finally given, and the Imperial German army captured the capital without bloodshed as Grand Duchess Mary Adelaide commanded the 400-strong Luxembourgish army to stand down, and Luxembourg would remain under German occupation for the entirety of the war. But the Luxembourgish people would not just simply sit the war out. 
For the duration of the war, it was extremely difficult for Luxembourgers behind German lines to join up with Allied forces, although some were able to escape the Grand Duchy through Switzerland. Those already living abroad, however, had no such issues, and thousands of young men of Luxembourgish origin would end up fighting in Allied armies in the years 1914 to 1918. Probably the largest group of Luxembourgish volunteers served with the French Foreign Legion. On August 5, 1914, as Paris learnt of the occupation of the Grand Duchy, an appeal to arms was launched by François Schwiestal, a Luxembourgish resident of the French capital. It read, To Luxembourgers, the Luxembourgish residents of Paris, profoundly indignant at the violation of our territory by the Germans, will protest this criminal act with every drop of our energy. Protective of our independence and undaunted by the size of the task ahead, we Luxembourgers are invited to sign up immediately as volunteers for the profit of the great and noble French nation. And the appeal ended... Vive la France, vive le Luxembourg. The appeal was soon published in the form of posters across the various Parisian quartiers where thousands of Luxembourgers lived. Eyewitness accounts reveal that on the day of registration, August 21st, a crowd of up to 3,000 Luxembourgers amassed at Les Invalides to sign up to fight, although some historians have argued that this number was inflated by including women and children. On the battlefield, Luxembourgers were often split up due to the Foreign Legion's tradition of amalgamating foreign volunteers. Nonetheless, at the lower level there were often opportunities for Luxembourgish soldiers to fight side by side. The 7th Company of the 1st Foreign Legion, which was heavily involved during the Battle of the Somme, was made up almost entirely of Luxembourgers. Over a century later there is still little agreement on just how many men of Luxembourgish origin served in the French armies, with estimates varying from 500 to around 3,000. Unsurprisingly, Death totals are also unclear, although one author has listed the names of 294 Luxembourgers believed to have passed away in French service. Luxembourgers didn't just fight for France, though. The great wave of emigration from the Grand Duchy to the United States in the 19th and early 20th centuries ensured there was a substantial pool of young Luxembourg Americans ready to serve in the US Army once President Woodrow Wilson finally declared war on Germany in 1917. U.S. Army records from World War I feature family names such as Sigrand, Evert, Clement and Jacques, all of which might be familiar to readers of our series on noteworthy Americans of Luxembourgish heritage. It's estimated that up to 1,200 first, second or even third generation Luxembourgers would eventually fight in Europe with the American Expeditionary Force. And when the Grand Duchy was finally liberated by the Americans in November 1918, some Luxembourg Americans took the opportunity to visit their ancestral homes for the first time. Among them was a Hubert H. Hostert, who spent Christmas 1918 with his grandmother near Mersch before being discharged in May 1919. For others, though, the return to Luxembourg would not turn out so well. Corporal Peter Maurer, of Luxembourgish origin, died of pneumonia in the capital in February 1919. Maurer was one of the dozens of Luxembourg Americans who would never make it back to the US after World War I, although precise numbers are, again, unknown. The third largest contingent of Luxembourgish volunteers served in the Belgian army, which had around 200 to 250 Luxembourgers. But there was also a handful of Luxembourgers in the other Allied armies that fought in the Great War. Records of five men of Luxembourgish stock have been found in the British army, including a Matthias Arendt, who died in Italy in 1918. An additional two Luxembourgish men enlisted in the Italian army, while a dozen more fought with the Canadians. And the Luxembourgers who served in World War I are still commemorated by the Gellerfra on Place de la Constitution in Luxembourg City. Sadly, we'll never know exactly how many young men of Luxembourgish origin served during the conflict, nor how many died. But life back in Luxembourg was not much easier. The Grand Duchy was under German occupation for the entirety of World War I, 
and the population did not exactly welcome the Germans with open arms, as shown by a fascinating story that involved the German Kaiser Wilhelm. During the initial offensive of the Schlieffen Plan, as German troops raced towards Paris in August of 1914, Kaiser Wilhelm's military headquarters were set up in Luxembourg. And Michel Welter, a contemporary politician and diarist, recalled that when the Kaiser arrived in the capital, he was met with a frosty reception from both ordinary citizens and the political elite. And things would not get any better for the Kaiser. A New York Times article from February 1916 relayed a, and I quote, thrilling incident of the war that has passed unnoticed. After a month in Luxembourg, and with German troops retreating from the Marne in France, on September 28, 1914, Wilhelm had decided to leave this city where no citizen ever saluted him in the street. As his motorcade left the capital, it suddenly came under fire from some unknown franc-tireur, who had apparently known that the Kaiser was coming and had prepared an ambuscade for him, killing and wounding a number of German troops but leaving Wilhelm unharmed. The Times article concluded that if only the bullet had found its proper billet, the whole history of the war might have been different. Nice story, but unfortunately there is absolutely no evidence to suggest that this dramatic episode ever took place. But the fact that this story even emerged perhaps shows the extent to which the Luxembourgish people were opposed to the German occupation. Outright resistance, though, would be extremely difficult. Officially a neutral country under German occupation, Luxembourg was in a delicate situation. It retained its own government and laws, and escaped the brutal treatment meted out to resisting Belgians and French, but it was clear that any action taken to oppose the aims of the German army would result in severe punishment. With that in mind, Prime Minister Paul Eichen asked the population not to participate in any acts of espionage or direct opposition against the occupiers. Nevertheless, some Luxembourgers did find ways to demonstrate their hostility to the invaders through a clandestine resistance. One such example was Camille José, a provincial councillor and newspaper editor who set up an organisation to help retreating French soldiers who had accidentally strayed onto Luxembourgish soil and were hiding in woods in border areas. José devised a system to disguise the isolated soldiers as Luxembourgish residents before exfiltrating them out to France through Switzerland. His organisation helped to evacuate an estimated 207 French soldiers before he was arrested in April 1915 and handed a death sentence, which was ultimately commuted. The British and French secret services also managed to recruit a number of Luxembourgers to report on German troop movements using the Luxembourgish railway network. At least three separate observation rings were set up, including one known as the Dame Blanche, and one by Lise Richard, who sent coded messages back to her handlers in Paris through, no joke, an agricultural journal based in Dikirch called Der Landwirt. Richard's achievements were recently covered for the first time at length in Janet Morgan's book The Secrets of Rue Saint-Roche. For her services, she received the honour of Commander of the British Empire, while a dozen or so others were granted the Order of the British Empire. Overall, however, Luxembourg's distance from Allied lines and absence of communication with them made it very difficult for any organised resistance to spring up, and these isolated events remain little known today. So what was life like for ordinary Luxembourgers during the First World War? Well, the most difficult part of the German occupation for the Luxembourgish people was the constant shortage of food. Initially well-provisioned and expecting the conflict to end quickly, the Luxembourgish authorities generously offered food to their neighbours in occupied France and Belgium. As the war dragged on, however, stocks were depleted, and by the summer of 1915 the cost of bread and potatoes had doubled, with beans, peas and lentils tripling in price. By 1916, malnutrition had become a serious problem, and shortages were exacerbated by the 5,000 or so German troops who were stationed in Luxembourg. 
government efforts to secure food from neutral countries such as the Netherlands or Switzerland were largely unsuccessful, and at the end of 1916 the population was at risk of starvation. The only solution was to turn to the Germans. In November 1916, the Luxembourgish government signed secret accords which left the provision of food to Luxembourg under German control, a decision which effectively rendered the Grand Duchy a hostage to the occupiers. Although few, if any, actually starved to death during the war, malnourishment did lead to a notable increase in mortality rates as the population was left vulnerable to tuberculosis and the flu. The reality of the First World War for most of the Luxembourgish population was thus a daily struggle against hunger and malnutrition, and the discontent brought about by the German occupation would eventually result in the abdication crisis of 1918-1919. But that will be a story for another day. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time for the next episode of the Luxembourg History Podcast. This episode was written, adapted, and hosted by Tom Tutton, and produced by Martin Johnson. Brought to you by RTL Today.